Can we transform anxiety from a perceived weakness into a strength? I'm Chester Elton, and this is my co-author and dear friend, Adrian Gostick. Well, thanks, Jess. Yeah, our culture tells us those who live with anxiety and depression cannot succeed, but our guest today tells a very different story. She says we need better models for leadership to help us get there. We hope the time you spend with us today will help remove the stigma of anxiety and mental health in the workplace and your personal life. And with us is our new friend, Maura Ahrens-Mealy, a podcast host, writer, entrepreneur, and communications executive. She hosts the Anxious Achiever podcast and is the author of The Anxious Achiever, Turn Your Biggest Fears into Your Leadership Superpower. It's to be released by Harvard Business Review Press in April 2023. She has written for the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal, and Fast Company. Her first book, Hiding in the Bathroom, How to Get Out of There When You'd Rather Stay at Home, (laughs) great title, by the way, was published by Day Street Books in 2017. Welcome to the show, Maura. We are delighted to have you on our podcast. I'm delighted to be here. I am such a fan. (laughs) Thank you. Well, thanks, Maura. Hey, uh, as you know, we wrote a book, Anxiety at Work. We're thrilled to see your book come into the, uh, and several books, come into the space to help people start talking more about this idea of anxiety. Um, You know, fortunately, there's been a lot of progress made toward bringing awareness to the issue recently. So so first off, help us understand what are the benefits you've seen that come from having a more open dialogue around anxiety and, and mental health in general? I think that the benefits are so multifold when we talk about anxiety, mental health, and our own vulnerable spots in general, right? I think especially when leaders and with people with power in organizations or in society at large talk about their own mental health challenges, that makes the discussion easier for all of us to have. And that is really important. So I'm always banging on about the importance of leaders talking about their anxiety. You know, if the pandemic had any silver lining, I think it's that we realize that work, home, personal life, emotions, there's no separation. For decades, I think we had been living a false separation. And the pandemic stripped all that away. You know, it stripped a lot of us bear. <laughs> and we're, we're rebuilding what it means to be at work and to talk at work. You know, it's so interesting. You do look for silver linings, right? Mm-hmm. And that was the one that really came out that people could talk about being anxious, you know, working from home, all the ambiguity, all the uncertainty. And, and we got a sneak peek at some of the topics you discuss in your new book. Uh, one is your new perspective on anxiety. You know, usually anxiety is labeled as a negative experience, but you talk about it being potentially beneficial for leaders. So what can anxiety do for leaders when, when you used correctly? Well, I always joke, leaders are actually paid to be anxious. <laughs> <laughs> That is true. That's very true, isn't it? (laughs) I mean, when you're a leader, your job is to think ahead. And a lot of anxiety is is future-based, right? It's sort of that sense of, I might be okay now, but I might not be five minutes from now, or I might not be 10 (laughs) years from now. And and honestly, I mean, we, we pay our leaders to think of contingency plans, to build strategy for what might come, bad or good. And us anxious people, like, that's our jam. That's what we do. <laughs> and so I actually think that anxiety 
um, can be a fabulous leadership strength for a lot of reasons. Now, I'm not talking about crippling anxiety that leaves you stuck in your room or has you go into the ER with panic attacks. I want to be very clear about that. I have been there. I have bipolar too. I have very severe anxiety and some depressive episodes, and I am not sugarcoating this at all. However, I walk with moderate chronic anxiety in my life, and I have interviewed hundreds of other people who do too. When we learn to manage our anxiety, to listen to it as the data that it is, we're more self-aware, we're more empathetic, we're looking around those corners, and we're better leaders. It's just that simple. We understand ourselves, and that is truly, to me, the first step to unlocking really good leadership. Maura, I love that you bring that up about this, you know, the idea that anxiety can be, a, in a way, a superpower for, for leaders. But there's a point where it can become overwhelming or detrimental. And, and so how do we balance that? It's never a perfect balance. Uh, but how do you create this delicate balance if you're feeling anxious, but you don't let it overwhelm you? Managing chronic anxiety or even situational anxiety that you might have, for example, during a pandemic or a really uncertain economic time like we're going through now, takes infrastructure, right? It takes building in a practice to take care of yourself, just like any other chronic condition might. And the truth is, as we know, people who take care of themselves are better leaders, right? And so it may be that you know that exercise is great for your mental health. There's so much data to support this. It may be that you see a therapist, you see a coach, you have someone to discuss all those messy relationship dynamics that happen at work with, right? That's really great. It may be that you meditate or you have a breath practice or you have other skills, and they are truly skills. You know, self-care gets a bad rap, but these skills that we learn, those of us who manage chronic mental health challenges that we learn are truly beneficial to us having sustainable, like present and positive leadership. Interesting. You know, it leads me to the, my next question about this positive leadership. And like you say, leaders get paid to be anxious. <laughs> you know, we're, we're paid to say, ah, it's good today, but, but what about tomorrow? Uh, is this idea of perfectionism, and I know in your podcast, you interview a lot of athletes about this, about perfectionism and how that drives, you know, super high anxiety. It seems that perfectionism and anxiety often go hand in hand. I, I always say, look, your you're top achievers, 99% of the time, they're going to be suffering from some kind of anxiety. So in your experience, what's the relationship that you see between perfectionism, anxiety, and quality results? And where does anxiety you know, fit in that equation in a positive way? Yeah, well, anxiety drives perfectionism, right? I, it's one of the thought traps that a lot of us get stuck in. You know, we Some of us may be perfectionists when we're anxious anxious, we may get horrible imposter syndrome, we may get stuck in catastrophizing, right, or black and white <laughs> thinking, all those cognitive distortions that, yes, they may fuel our drive, they may cause us to work ever harder, but at what cost, right? Perfectionism is a habit, believe it or not. Your body and your brain learn that when you have this uncomfortable feeling of anxiety, diving in with perfectionistic worry and behavior will make you feel better temporarily. 
Hmm. And so we have to unpack the habit. And I, I love perfectionism as a topic. My, le- my next LinkedIn learning course is actually about managing perfectionism, but it's really misunderstood. You know, it's in our culture, it's almost a compliment to be called a perfectionist, right? right. You, you mm-hmm. hear that and you think, oh, I, I never give up. I'm the <laughs> best. I won't stop. No, perfectionism is actually detrimental long term. It comes at a very high cost. And the truth is a lot of perfectionists who basically base their self-worth in their work product, right, in what they feel they can produce, procrastinate. They avoid, they don't do great work because the stakes feel so, so high that it's almost impossible to take that work on. And so if you feel like you're working on a project and the stakes feel almost unimaginably high, that if you don't get it 100%, the consequences will be really dire, that might be perfectionism. And it's something that you might want to take a look at. Love that. It, it, it's such an important point. We've we've talked a lot about too, and like you say, it's so misunderstood. Um, mm-hmm. It's you know, I'm a perfectionist. Is the answer we're supposed to give on the ubiquitous interview question? You know, what's your biggest weakness? Yeah, <laughs> and it's and it's actually a terrible thing to 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 be locked into. But we see so much of it with anxiety. Um, first off, how can people learn can, a little? Can bit? I say oh, one yeah, more thing? Absolutely, more. I just want to say one more thing yeah. about perfectionism that I that I think is really important through the lens of leadership. When you're a leader, you really can't be a perfectionist because perfectionism is brittle, right? It's, It's conforming to old patterns. It's conforming to, I must do this and never fail. Yeah. But how do you evolve? How do you innovate? How do you grow? How do you try new things and deliver those groundbreaking decisions when you are stuck in such a rigid and brittle and frankly scary pattern of behavior. And so I want people to embrace imperfection, (laughs) especially us anxious achievers. You can still, as as Thomas Greenspan, who's an expert on perfectionist, says, you can still be excellent, but you don't have to be perfect. Mm. Yeah, I I think it's Churchill who said, uh, perfect is the enemy of progress. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I mean, you think of his leadership during the Second World War, it was messy. Uh, (laughs) it, It was... And you figure things out as you go and you just get on the wall and you start climbing. So how can how can people learn more about your work, Maura? Where would you send them? Well, I would love them to pick up a copy of my book, The Anxious Achiever. <laughs> uh, Got to get that plug in uh, wherever they like to buy books. And um, find me on LinkedIn. I, uh, I host my podcast, The Anxious Achiever, through LinkedIn. I have a really wonderful community there of people who manage their own anxiety at work, who manage other mental health challenges. Send me a message. I'll write back. This is such an important topic to discuss, and I just want us all to be talking about it. Yeah, we we believe the same. So, hey, one another question I wanted to kind of see what you thought about this is, you know, sometimes people fake confidence and, and leaders miss uh, the you know the anxiety that's going on inside of their team so so how do you help managers you know, dig below the fine if you will you know that <laughs> that there really may be a lot of turmoil going on under the surface and their people may not feel comfortable talking about it but they've got people who are struggling so how do you counsel leaders in those situations 
I have to laugh because I'll never forget my podcast guest, Steve Cuss, who said that mansplaining is actually anxiety. <laughs> so, <laughs> it's, you don't think I'm smart enough, so I'm going to tell you how smart I am. That's great. Um, look, this is, this is new territory for all of us, right? But I just want to tell managers and colleagues, you don't need to be the team therapist, right? That's not your job. If you want to create more open dialogue about emotions, about mental health, about anxiety, the best thing you can do is model it yourself. Are you a perfectionistic manager who drives herself really hard, who's always on email till 11 o'clock at night, who never accepts anything less than overwork and perfection, right? Are you overworking because of anxiety? Are you micromanaging your people? because you're anxious. One of the biggest aha moments that I've heard from anxious managers is that moment when they realized, I'm not micromanaging because of my people's strengths. I'm micromanaging because I'm anxious. Hmm. Wow. That is, uh, that is really insightful. Um, and I really appreciate the mansplaining thing. I'll be, I'll, I'll, I'll be, <laughs> not I'll be, personal. Now, right now. <laughs> now, Chester, let me explain to you what that means. <laughs> Thank you, Adrian. Thank you. Thank you so much. Hey, uh, you know, this has been delightful, uh, Maura. And you, and you talked about putting out guardrails and having routines and rituals and so on. We're always interested in high achievers like yourself. What, what are some of your rituals? How do, keep, how do you keep yourself, you know, mentally sh- in good shape and less anxious? Uh, I also have uh, three school-aged children and oh, wow. um, <laughs> lots of pets and, you know, like you, a really bustling schedule. So for me, it's essential. It's not a choice. I also have mental illness. If I don't manage it rigorously, I will end up in a very bad place. And so I take medication. It has been many years of fiddling with my meds. It has been, as my psychiatrist says, alchemy. (laughs) Um, So I take that very seriously. I go to regular therapy. Exercise is really, really important to me. I am one of those people, actually, sleep is less important to me than exercising. Some people really, really need to sleep. And the other thing that I have learned as I've gotten older is I really need people around me who I trust and who I care about and they care about me. You know, feeling lonely is really, really tough, especially when you're anxious and so I make a really concerted effort to have people in my life. That's beautiful. Uh, thanks for sharing that. You know, we have taken a deep dive on just fulfilling lives. And, you know, the great Harvard study by uh, Robert Waldinger, mm-hmm. that happy, long and healthy lives are based in deep and meaningful relationships. Thank you for sharing that. Because so often I think when we get anxious, we pull back. Yep. And, and, and we're alone and, and, and we just go down that rabbit hole and it gets worse and worse and worse. And isn't it interesting that almost always what pulls us out of there is somebody that loves us and somebody that cares about us. It's true, isn't it? It really is. And, and that can be a colleague. It really can. Yeah. yeah. 
And, and I, you know, I think it's important we're talking about deep and meaningful relationships because sometimes we, we try to force things. We try to get support from and we just keep going back to the well and the well may be dry. And so <laughs> find people in your life who do lift you up. And I, I think that's that's a great point, Maura. Um, this has been such a great conversation. So insightful. Uh, and I'm so glad that you are doing the work that you are um, to, to help, you know, when we started talking about this a few years ago, we felt like we were the only ones talking about anxiety at work. And it's so nice to have you in the conversation and adding your amazing perspective. So as you've studied this, as you've talked about it over the last few years and live with anxiety, what a couple of big takeaways would you like our listeners to, to leave with today? Anxiety is a normal human emotion. It's not good or bad. It is. <laughs> it's trying to tell you something. It may not always be telling you the truth, but it's trying to tell you something. And so, um, as my, my dear friend Rebecca Harley, who's a psychologist, says, you have to get really adept at playing detective. Hmm. Why am I anxious? Why did my shoulders freeze? Why did that email make me feel nauseous? <laughs> Why does that person's name or the thought of a meeting with that person make me feel nauseous? Start getting curious. Once you understand what your anxiety is trying to tell you, you can really think about managing through, looking at those difficult behaviors like perfectionism, and keeping the good parts of anxiety, which after all, we need, right? Anxiety can be very, very energizing and very motivating, and we need it, too. Just such ridiculously good advice. <laughs> Thank you, Maura. Our, our guest has been Maura Ahrens. Amelie, she has a wonderful podcast. Sign up, follow that. The Anxious Achiever. Uh, she has wonderful guests. And follow her on LinkedIn. And, of course, let me give you one more plug here. Buy her books. Uh, you got to buy the bathroom book, Hiding in the Bathroom, just because it's one of the great book titles of all time, and that should be on your bookshelf. But her new book that comes out in April by the Harvard Business uh, Review Press, Anxious Achiever, Turn Your Biggest Fears into Your Leadership Superpower. You want to be a great leader? You have some anxiety? It's a must read. Thank you so much for being on our podcast. You have been beyond delightful. Well, well, Chess, just, you know, amazing that somebody uh, like Mora is in our space, too. You know, we, we talked about, you know, a few years ago when we started this process that nobody was talking about anxiety at work. And now we've got uh, Mora putting out a book, The Anxious Achiever, uh, you know, a podcast where she's interviewing, in many cases, celebrities, etc. And I, I just love that she's saying, yeah, now after the pandemic, if there's a silver lining, we can talk about this subject. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, and that was she was so open and vulnerable about her bipolar too. Yeah. You know, I loved when she talked about her personal disciplines. You know, we do that always at the very end. She really upfront, hey, I take my medication. I go to my therapist. Mm -hmm. uh, exercise for me is more important than sleep. Um, very open about it that, you know, therapy is a good thing. Mm -hmm. That it took her a while to get her meds right. You know, so often, you know, people can get frustrated that it doesn't work right yeah. away. And yeah. so they ditch that. And uh, I, I really appreciated her being just so vulnerable. The other one is that perfectionism is a habit. Mm. Uh, you know, manage that habit. 
right? Uh, perfectionism, catastrophizing, which is a word we've heard before, mm-hmm. which got to get you bonus points in Scrabble somewhere. <laughs> yeah. And the, um, the imposter syndrome, that these are habits and that they're misunderstood. And you've got to manage those habits, which I thought was really insightful. Because sometimes we think, I'm a perfectionism. I can't do anything about it. Not true. I think that's a really good point. Because as she says, anxiety drives not only perfectionism, imposter syndrome, um, you know, pushing ourselves, workaholism, you know, a lot of things. And, and we tend to make that part of our culture. And we've talked about this before, that it's got to stop. We've got to... Uh, we've got to realize our, our brains need time to, to decompress, whether we have anxiety or not. But her point is, look, every manager is anxious. We pay right. them to be anxious. Yeah, in I fact, love that. Yeah, and, and we, we do themselves a disservice. I remember when we studied, I think when we wrote All In, we wrote about the Denmark culture, where a manager is just another job. It's just a person who, who, who directs things, but there's no more prestige to this job. or no, But there's also no more pressure or stress to that job. You know, in a North American cultures and many Western cultures, we put so much pressure on that manager to be perfect, to see everything down the down the pike. Uh, you look at sports teams. Who's the first person to get fired if they have a bad season? You know, yeah, it's, not yeah, the, it's, it's not the you know the star athlete. It's the person who's the managing them, right? It's the coach. I, I got to thinking about that. I thought, so if the manager I hired isn't anxious. Am I paying them too much? Like I'm paying you to be, if you're not anxious, what am I paying you for? Um, my last takeaway that I loved was when she said, for her, managing her anxiety and mental health is she needs people. Mm-hmm. She needs people around her. And I, I love that because so often we push away because we don't feel worthy. You know, we don't feel like we want to burden people yeah. uh, with that when in reality, our best friends, the people that care about us the most, that's the burden they want to carry. They want to be helpful. Yeah. I thought it was a lovely way to end the podcast. It was. Yeah, I think my last thought was was her last thought as well. And, you know, she's summarizing a lot of work that she's done and just saying, look, anxiety is normal, but but it's telling us something. And instead of getting overwhelmed by it, you know, thinking through, okay, I'm feeling um, overwhelmed by making this presentation, What's that telling me? Am I am I not prepared? Do I not know the subject? Is there, is there something going on behind the scenes? Am I worried about somebody in the room? What can I do beforehand? And you start play this role of detective to figure out why is this causing this? And is this something that I should process or something I should just let go? And and that's what great detectives do. Uh, they take in all the information before they make decisions. Instead of, oh, it must be Stan's in there. Stan always makes me nervous. No, there's something else going on. You keep digging until you really figure out what's going on. That's, that's really powerful. Yeah, the curiosity piece. Well, as always, we want to thank our wonderful producer, Brent Klein, who takes the mess that we put together in these pre-records and makes it sound wonderful and engaging and spectacular. And of course, Christy Lawrence, who helps us find all these amazing guests and all of you that tune into our podcast. We so appreciate everybody's busy that you would take the time. We don't take that for granted. We, we certainly do. We also love to speak on anxiety, culture, leadership. So, you know, please give us a call. We'd love to uh, talk about your event, whether it's virtual or in person. Um, Pick up a copy of our book, Anxiety at Work. And don't forget to visit thecultureworks.com for some free resources. 
yeah, and share this podcast with your friends and family. If it helped you, it might help them. And that's what we're really all about is to help people manage their mental health and their anxiety. Well, Adrian, another wonderful podcast. Always great to see you, my friend. You are one of those people in my life that when I get anxious, I make sure I don't call. Because, well, let's face it, you make me anxious. <laughs> Hey, everybody, have a great week. I was going to say something (laughs) nice after that. (laughs) Take care, everybody. Be well. Cheers. Thanks, everybody.